You are listening to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast, a Burning Hallows production. We are your otherworldly hosts, Kitty and Alora. Join us as we introduce some of the badass deities who sort of started it all. We're talking about the gods and goddesses of witchcraft and sorcery. We will meet witch deities from several different ancient traditions and share some of our personal experiences with them. So grab your offering cup and settle in. So, Alora. Hello. I want to know, inquiring minds want to know, are you working with a new deity? Do you want to share or do you want to keep it a secret? Because that's cool too. So I, I don't think it's really a secret at this point because earlier in the week I did an Instagram post about it. <laughs> I saw that. I was just giving you the chance to... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to be very cloak and dagger. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I am. I, well, Breed has come into my practice. I, and I'm, I can't sit here and say that I'm actively working with her because at the moment I'm basically working on an offering, like my first offering for her. Which is fitting. Considered working though. Yeah, true, true. But it's, it's very, it's, I consider it very fitting because she is, Breed is a goddess of magic. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's very fitting that she's like, first order of business, I need a place to like work and I don't like your space. So you're going to need to make me what I want. And I'm like, ah, what? (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah. 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 She's actually, uh, in parts of Scotland, I believe she is the sister to the Kaliak. So I haven't look people. I haven't, I haven't dived real deep on her lore and all of that just yet. So yeah, you'll need to read what I sent you because I think, yeah, you're, you're going to find that interesting. Yes, yes, I will. I'm sure. Her a goddess of witchcraft or maybe not? Well, she's a goddess of magic. So, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I would say yes. Yeah. But she's a goddess of a lot of stuff. Like, well, so she's also the goddess of, of the smith. Right. I was going to say smithing. Yeah, yeah. But that's also magic, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's subjective, I guess, right? Mm. Yeah, I think so. So I am currently working with a new deity. I feel (sighs) like it's weird, though, because as I progress on my path, I I have so many deities that come to me now that I can hardly keep up. I know. I feel like I have the same feeling about when you say I have a new deity that I have when my youngest stepson scores a goal at soccer, because 
he usually scores between five and 10 in a game. And so somebody will be like, he scored a goal. I'm like, it's okay. I'll catch the next one. Like in five minutes. <laughs> Thanks. Like it's good. No, but so when you come to me and you say, I have a new deity, I'm like, uh, yes, of course you do. It's been about six weeks. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> At least three months. Uh. <sighs> For real. Um, I guess because I'm I'm just like a hard polytheist now, and I feel like all the gods are like, okay, cool, yeah, me too, and me too. I want to talk to you, and I, I I don't know, not to say that I'm popular or anything, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, who is who is your newest addition? Well, Kleena has kind of gone away so that, you know, she's stepped back or whatever, but how I do things just real quick is I just keep a Celtic altar and I keep a Norse Germanic altar and I just keep adding gods, like as I'm working with them or, you know, it just makes it easier, but, um, collect all seven (laughs) Germanic altar right now has Odin, Loki, and also Bershta. And I also have like and then the Celtic altar has different gods on it too. But so my new one is Arshio. Oh, yes, yes. I remember you telling me a little about it. She is an ancient Gaulish or Celtic, essentially, bear goddess from Gaul or also from Switzerland. And I just started working with her just about a month ago when I had the whole Reiki session, I had a shamanic journey and the bear kind of came forward. And then I was like seeing bears everywhere. And I don't consider her necessarily a goddess of witchcraft, but you know, I don't know. I don't know her well enough yet to make that decision. Yeah. And I think I even told you when you were telling me all this, that, and I don't know why, but anytime like I would think about you as a person, I would always picture a bear and you were like, for real. And I'm like, yeah, like that image has always come into my mind. Wow. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> it's very strange, but it's true. And I love the obscure deities, you know? And I have to ask because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are sitting here listening to this going, Okay, so if you were if you have these altars for multiple deities, like do they fight? Is there any problems? How does that work? How do you keep up with that? No, but I do pay attention to each god's story, how they might interact with the others. Now, some people will say, "Oh, Odin and Loki, that definitely shouldn't happen." However, the more you learn about Loki, the more you see how bonded to Odin he is and vice versa. Mm. So just because there's the whole, you know, mythos of Ragnarok and, uh, you know, Loki tricking the gods and Odin and doing, you know, all these different situations, Loki is also kind of teaching everybody lessons through these mishaps (laughs) or whatever you want to call them through his trickery. And uh, you know, Odin actually said himself that Loki is his brother and that he cannot take a drink unless Loki does. Mm -hmm. Those two were the ones that I was a little like, I don't know if it's going to work out, but the more I learned about Loki, the more I realized, oh no, it'll be fine. And it's been fine. Yeah. So I think if you do your research and you get to, you know, I definitely do your research before you just like throw a bunch of gods on an altar is my advice. Yeah. And I think that if you really have deities coming to you to work with you, I would like to think that they know yeah already like 
who's in your presence and they're not going to come to somebody or to a place where they don't want to be where they can't mix the energy. Yeah. They know that exactly. I agree with you. All right. So I think that you have a quote from Judica and I, I don't even know how to say her last name. Isles Ills. I don't know either, but yes, she's an author that we like. Yes. That, you know, those huge books, like the 5,000 spells books, that's what she writes. Yes. And they're, they're very good reference books. Yes. Okay. So to quote her, how's this for a notion? Although witches have been demonized and accused of being in league with Satan throughout history, witches have also been worshiped divinity envisioned in the form of a witch shaman or sorceress. Hmm. Yeah, well, it goes with that, you know, that old saying, everybody hates a witch till they need one. (laughs) Well, it's true. Like, oh my God, I'm scared of you, but can you do a love spell for me? Mm. Oh, yes. I've had family members be like, not a persecutory, I don't even know if that's a word, but uh, just standoffish, I guess, is the right term until they have a problem. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, can you do this? And I'm like, really? Come on. (laughs) I know what you're saying, girl. Okay. So in your opinion, what is a witch goddess or deity? Again, I think this is subjective, but to me, honestly, you could truly look at any deity that a witch works with as a witch deity but mm. for me, I think I focus the definition specifically on two kinds of deities. The first is a deity who specifically has domain over witchcraft or sorcery of some kind. And then um, the second is any god or goddess who's specifically mentioned in witch trial documentation, because I'm just that kind of person and I'm just really into the witch trial stuff. Right. So, yeah, but I mean, I think any, any witch that works with a specific deity for a specific reason, they could say, well, my experience with this deity is that he or she helps me with my witchcraft practice. And you know, what's funny is I have noticed patterns, uh, as you know, the longer that I've been practicing and I used to think that, you know, everybody works with uh, Hecate or Hecate, however you say her name, or everybody works with uh, so-and-so. But it's kind of interesting because if you look at the witch population, yeah, um, especially online, it's typical for those just getting their toes wet in witchcraft to attract a deity that whose domain is witchcraft. Hmm. Okay. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but I, it's just something that I've noticed over the years and typically they move on from that. Yeah. Deity. I remember I had a mentee or whatever you want to call him that student. He was just getting into witchcraft and yeah, Hikate was calling him. So I do remember that one, but I'm sure there's plenty. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. You'll see lots of newer witches, Hikate, Lilith, the Morgan. Absolutely. Yeah. Someone should document this stuff. We need to start writing all this stuff down. Just observations. Well, and it's not, well, and it happened to me as well. Uh, One of the first, not the very first, but the second goddess that I worked with was Hakate. Okay. Which I found interesting because I think Anya 
who was the first goddess that I ever worked with. I think that she was just more accessible because she's more ancestral, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Okay. So is it necessary to work with a witch goddess in your practice if you are a witch? I think that it is helpful. Like you said, especially if you're new, if there's a deity that whose domain is witchcraft or sorcery of some kind, if they're calling to you, then it's definitely helpful to work with them. And I think that you'll gain a lot from it anytime in your practice, but I don't know that it's like required, you know? Yeah. And I think I'm just going to stick with what I said before about, I just see new witches attracting, or for the most part, they attract a god or goddess whose domain is witchcraft, either at the very beginning of their practice or shortly after they start. And even, you know what? And I just thought of this too. Odin came to me immediately as well, and he reigns over magic. So, and I think, and I do think that you learn a lot. And I think that it opens a lot of doors for you magically as well. I think it makes astral travel and things like that a bit easier because you kind of have uh, somebody helping yeah all the time say that i've had two witch goddesses in the past five years that have come to me and i've i've been doing this a little while yeah and i think i don't know i think that whenever this is just my personal opinion but i think that whenever a goddess or god who reigns over these areas of life comes into a practice, there's, you're either like leveling up your skills, you're learning a new skill that particular, you're tied to that particular deity throughout life. Yeah. Uh, especially cause I know in non-Western traditions, like once you get your, whoever your deity is, that's who your deity is for life. Oh yeah. I think that I have some of that. That's like Bershta will always have a place on my altar and always have a place in my heart. Mm. There's some that come and go for me. Really? That's interesting. I don't think that for me, I don't think that they ever really leave. I think that they just kind of take a seat. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, this is, you know, this is all like subjective people's experiences, mm. different traditions, right? Yeah. 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 And I used to feel that way too. Like I, like when I was a lot younger, I would say it was just like, I would just work for a long time, just work with one deity. And, but now I just, there's a, I don't know. I can't, I can't cause there's a couple that are typically vying to like talk to me or whatever, but I think it's just where I'm at, like in my practice. Yeah. I don't know. When Loki first came to me, he, I, I well, basically came through via fire. You know, when I almost set my house on fire when I was. Yes. Yes. I remember that. Furbishing my arm off. Yeah. Just a note for everyone here. If you're using linseed oil, you never want to bunch up any of the rags that you use. They will spontaneously combust. Exactly. And the Uh. reason that I knew, like, there's a whole thing about how I knew this was Loki. But when I started learning about Loki, one of the first things I read about him was someone said to use linseed as an offering for him. And I was like, what? (laughs) And he's also a god of fire. So anyway. Mm. Before we get any further, so you know that I'm making Greed a custom altar. Yes. And 
I was looking around spiritnest.com and I noticed they have like a lot of goddess worship stuff, like jewelry, but also altar items, which I was really interested in. And they even have like ritual soaps, which is awesome. And yeah, so I was thinking about getting a bar of the ritual goddess soap to use it like when I first like dedicate the altar. But but I was wondering, like, do you, have you ever used ritual soap whenever you've worked with a deity, like to, like in a cleansing bath? I, uh, no, I've not used a deity soap. I, I just got the oil from them, the snake oil, which I plan to use for like invocation with Loki, but I haven't, I haven't used a goddess soap, but I've definitely used a cleansing. I think it was like a Florida water soap. In the past. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to have to try it out, I think. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so shall we meet some of the divine witches we've been talking about? Yes, we should. Okay, so the first one, and I never get her name right because I just don't, but I was told by my ex-sister-in-law, who is Czech, that it's Baba Iga, but I have also heard it Baba Yaga, so who knows? Maybe it's like Iaga. So this goddess comes from Slavic folklore. She is a witch goddess. She was once a well-respected and revered witch goddess in Eastern Europe and Western Asia. But as Christianity spread, she was diminished from a goddess to an ugly old hag that lived out in the woods and ate children. Because everybody knows that if you add eating children to anyone, it's going to be a hard pass. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you know what I mean? Like just add some cannibalism and nobody will want to worship that that person. Adults may be okay, but eating children, no, it is weird. (laughs) Who knows if they made it so that, you know, these figures ate grown adults, you know, people might be (laughs) like shoving people out there. They might be for it. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, sweet. Exactly. (laughs) I can finally Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. It is possible that Baba Iga was originally a triple goddess, which this is interesting too, because I recently played uh Dreamfall Chapters. So it is a game for PC and also for Xbox and PlayStation, I believe. In that game, Baba Iga is the goddess yes. that you're dealing with, and she is a triple goddess in that game, which I found fascinating. And the game makers are Russian. Yeah. And to add to the whole three triple thing, I believe she also has three different colored horses associated with her Mm. as well, like a white, red, and black. So you can read more about her through Slavic fairy tales like Vasilisa the Beautiful. And I think that fairy tale is actually also in Women Who Run With the Wolves. Yes. Definitely. I, I loved that version of the story. You can invoke Baba Iga to tap into your wild side and connect with ancestors as she's also considered to be an ancestral goddess to ancient Slavic families. So if you have any Slavic in your blood, it is likely you may have a connection to her. Yeah, I love that. That's super cool. All right. Who's next? My home girl. 
I I feel like that needs to be a shirt. <laughs> My homegirl Bearsta. Yeah. <laughs> so I just have to. This is going to be a random little quick thing that I have to talk about. Do you, have you heard about this pastor that was like calling the witches out in his congregation? Oh God, yes. And you know why? Because I'm from that area of Tennessee. Okay, so he also went on this whole tangent, and he was talking about Waffle House witches and Cracker Barrel witches. Did you remember? Yes, that? and I also saw videos where witches were going. <laughs> Excuse me, but how do I sign up to be in the Cracker Barrel coven? Because yes. I would love to be there. That there are shirts I wanted to order. A Cracker Barrel witch shirt for you. I saw it and I was like, oh my God, that would be Alora. Because I know you like Cracker Barrel. <laughs> um, girl, you don't even know that Cracker Barrel was my first job out of high school. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> that so makes sense now. It's all coming together. I waited tables there for like a year after high school. <laughs> well, I'm going to get my Waffle House witch shirt and I'll get you a Cracker Barrel witch shirt. <laughs> Okay. But back to the story. So Bershta, this is a goddess who is obviously near and dear to my heart and always will be. I'll always keep a spot for her on my altar. She is also known as Pershta, Bertha, Berta, and Frau Pershta, among many other names. She's an ancient Germanic goddess from the Alpine region in Europe, including parts of Switzerland, Austria, Bavaria, and Germany, and even in Northern Italy. She also potentially may have influenced the Christmas witch, La Bifana. She was once known as the White Lady. She was a gift giver, a guide and protector of babies. She's a goddess of spinning and of women, but was nearly stomped out when the church rose to power, as you'll find this a common recurring pattern among the witch deities that we're going to be speaking about today. Mm. She was demonized into a crooked-nosed, belly-slitting witch, and leader of a horde of demons known as the Pershton. Which I think that you can listen more about it, um, in our The Dark Side of Yule podcast over on Mimir as well. Because we went over all of those types of um, Yule traditions. Yes, we did in detail. Mm. There, So there were tales of Bershta, the witch, who captured children and ate them. There you go again with the children and the eating of the children. Told you. <laughs> Similar to the tales of Krampus. Mm. And there were also tales of her as a Christmas hag who would stuff the kids into her giant sack. And if she was displeased with <laughs> offerings on her sacred night, which then turned into the night of the Epiphany, and this is a little brutal, so just forgive me, she would slit the person's belly open and then stuff them with straw. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the cult of Bershta, though, was so big that it was outlawed in Bavaria in the year of 1468, according to the Thesaurus Paporum. And leaving her offerings during Christmas time was also forbade and documented by church officials at this time. Wow, she must have been really popular. She was, and it's sad because she's not as popular in the neo or modern pagan community as i feel like she should be but yeah she was like she was big she was a big deal she was a big deal was a big deal <laughs> also just quickly going back to cracker barrel witches 
Is that something we can produce? I've seen it on Etsy already, but I mean, we could, we could just make our own. I don't like the products that are out there. So maybe we could produce our own. I was just going to say like, is it copyrighted? Like, I don't, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. That's a good point. <sighs> we'll have to see. But if it's not, I'm totally down. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Yeah. Okay. You know how you could get around it? At least mm. waffle house, which part you just put a waffle, like the picture of one. So waffle and then the words house, witch. or you could just do it all in pictures. Waffle house, which, oh, that would be a cool shirt. <laughs> Cracker barrel, which that's fun. Oh, we should do it. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason why I'm saying this is because for all of our wonderful listeners out there, uh, we are going to be doing a merchant shop. Woo woo. The only thing we're waiting on is one logo to finish. And then we're going to have, you know, grab your cup of shirts and coffee mugs. And yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Crystal pusher. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, It's excruciating waiting for this last logo. Okay. Can you tell us about the Kaliak? Okay. So the Kaliak, and if you see this word, you struggle because the way that it's spelled is C-A-I- L-L-E-A-C-H. So it doesn't, like, it's not spelled any way that it sounds. But there's many different ways to say it, so you're good. Okay, so Kaliak is a witch goddess from Scotland, Ireland, and the Isle of Man. She is the old woman, the winter crone, the veiled one, the old hag, the old crone. The Kaliak is the epitome of the old hag archetype and has long been honored for her rule over winter weather. When it snows, people say the Kaliak has unleashed her magic on the land. The mountains are her domain. As legend says, the winter crone made the mountains her stepping stones. Kaliak is seen as an ancestor to many people in Ireland and Scotland. And if anyone would like to know what family surnames are descendant of her, you can email us at burninghallowsproductions, all one word, at gmail.com. And also, if you just want to email us for any other reason, go for it. But she is the embodiment of winter and all that it brings, snow, ice, cold, death, and then eventually rebirth. And she's also, well, Breed is also thought to be a sister of hers in Scotland, but the Kaliak is not, has another name in Scotland. She's the Kaliak Burr. Yes. She has a bunch of different little name, like extra names on the end of that yeah so she's the crone aspect which is cool because there's not a lot of crone deities i don't feel like no i don't think so either okay so first if you haven't read the book circe by madeline miller i highly recommend it it is a fictional story but it paints a really poignant picture of her as a very kind of complex but beloved goddess after you read the book you'll basically want to be working with her we'll just put it that way okay well i have heard that it's a really good book but i've also heard that it's like a slow burn it is it took me a long time to get through it but it was worth it okay like you pick up you read it and then you put it down and you pick it but you you'll you'll appreciate it i'll put it on my i think it's on my tbr already but yeah it's worth it it's definitely worth the read so circe is a nymph and a goddess of ancient greece Her father, Helios, 
sends her to exile on an island called Aiea. Circe is a goddess of transformation, but is best known for her skill with potions, herbs, and animals. She is a kind goddess if you treat her right, but if she is wronged, she can transform you and will transform you into a pig or some other animal. <laughs> you can also read about her in Homer's Odyssey. And I always say that you can invoke her for justice against abusers because she unfortunately experiences that in the mythos, um, but also to learn the art of transformation and to learn how to work with herbs and potions that uh, herbs that grow wild in your area and how to add those to potions. Hmm. She's fascinating. I, I like her. For shizzle. So that's just a tip for anyone out there that may be needing some justice. Cersei is your girl. Okay. Diana, who, okay. So she's probably one of the most well-known witch deities, uh, the ancient Italian goddess of the moon, witchcraft, sex, darkness, and the forest, which her Greek counterpart is Artemis. Yes. 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 The reason why I said ancient Italian is because Many believe her presence in what is now the country of Italy precedes even the Romans. So she was there before Rome claimed her. Yeah, exactly. She's often equated with Artemis, uh, like I said, which I worked with Artemis. So I have a special, you know, we're we're close like that. Yes. (laughs) They do share really similar qualities, but they are separate deities. One of the big differences is the claim to virginity, right? So Diana doesn't have those claims where Artemis does. Yes. Whether literal or metaphorical. Right. There's this virginal quality to Artemis that doesn't exist in Dianic mythos. Right. She was first a local deity, but at one point her worship was so widespread that the earliest of Christians considered her an opponent or an enemy. (laughs) Of course. Of course, because she has a, never mind. I can't say that on here, but because she's a woman, (laughs) that way. (laughs) I realized I had to look up what is like, uh, what is it? The word explicit. And it's like, if you can't say it on TV, then it's explicit. So, you know, (laughs) don't say the F word. (laughs) Okay. I will. Okay. But, um, okay. So her consort is the horn deity or the spirit named Verbius. She also had priests in one particular area that were considered werewolves, or at least they dressed in wolf skins while performing ritual. Unfortunately, the only legit early written info we have on her comes from early Christian writers. So as we know, historically, when the victors write the history, we don't really get an accurate account of anything. Insert eye roll here. Yeah, right. After the rise of the church and during the witch trial times, Diana became the queen of the witches. So during the Inquisition, she was actually referred to as Satan's bride, which I find hilarious because the whole mythos of Satan is seriously an amalgamation of pagan gods, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I um, to her consort was a horn deity, right? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Despite all the efforts to expunge her from cultural memory, she is a beloved goddess today and is central to Wiccan traditions as well as to Italian witchcraft like Gregoria. I'm trying. Beautiful. It was lovely. Well done. High five. 
Okay. You even had the little like <laughs> like the little tongue rolly thing. <laughs> okay, I okay. and I wanted to say this. So this is kind of a, a prequel or premiere party to a series that we're going to be doing later this season on individual deities. Yes. So we're going to spend a whole hour talking about one deity, everything about them. I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be fun. Heck yeah. Okay. That being said, let's talk about Freya. I have never personally been called by Freya, but I cannot lie to you guys. I'm still waiting for my letter to join Freya's school of witchcraft and wizardry. (laughs) Just, just keep a lookout for the owl. I'm waiting. (laughs) Still waiting. No, she's always been one that I've been interested in and very like drawn to, but it just hasn't happened. You know what I mean? Right. So she is a Norse goddess of witchcraft, fertility, sex, war, death, and justice. She has that whole polarity thing going on that I love in so many deities. You know, she's her domain is over love, but also over war, birth, and death. So I think though we see this as a pattern with a lot of deities, but specifically with witch deities, Mm. because witches are, after all, liminal beings. We're neither here nor there, but both, right? Right. And so Freya is the same. Another example of this liminal quality of hers, she's not just a part of the Aesir realm of gods, which are the ones that live in Asgard. She's also part of the Vanir realm of elves or elvish gods that live below Mm. so she is also too actually the deity who teaches seethe magic to odin that's why i say i want to join her school right (laughs) she and and this was interesting too when i found this out about her she was also denounced by the church as another queen of the witches Mm. and this is probably because she was the most renowned of all goddesses, according to our friend, Snorri Sturluson, who wrote the Edas and the Sagas. Mm. They also say that anyone who followed her were also immediately branded witches. Yeah. Of course. Of course. And following that, her cult may have diminished, but it didn't die. She, it's interesting because her presence kind of shifted to the Brocken, which is in the Hartz Mountains of Germany. And she became the leader of the Walpurgis Knot festivities, <laughs> which I think is really freaking cool. Because then there's like this whole crossover with Bershta and the Wild Hunt and Odin. And anyway. Mm. Yeah, I, because Odin is and has always been my patron. God. I've always been interested in Freya. I have actually done a custom deity candle for her, for a client of mine. Mm -hmm. And I love her vibe. I just, yeah, I just haven't had the call to work with her either. So yeah. Yeah. Well, we have that one in common. (laughs) Well, she's very like, so I haven't worked with her, but I can say in channeling her energy for the the custom work that I did. Yeah. Her vibe is a lot like breeds. Oh, interesting. At least to me. Yeah. Hecate. Yes. Or Hecate or however you want to say it. Emphasis on the ka. (laughs) 
<laughs> God. The Greek people, supposedly. But you know how this whole pronunciation thing goes with us. So she is a well-known witch goddess of ancient Greece. She is the lady of the crossroads with three heads, or alternatively, guarded by a three-headed white dog or three individual dogs, depending on the depiction. Mm-hmm. I want to note here that as Hecate is invoked at the crossroads. Isn't it interesting that criminals and witches were once burned at the crossroads and buried like, but they didn't, did they know that when they were, I don't know. It's just a really interesting little tidbit, but witches were also, they were never buried. Well, they could have been buried close to hallowed ground, but they're usually buried off of hallowed ground. And sometimes, um, like in the West or like facing West or like head down. So they did a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm. Well, her dominion is the moon menstruation, intuition, dreams, necromancy, the cycles of life, death, rebirth, and witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So in Kala Trobes invoke the goddess, she writes, Hecate is the patroness of prostitutes, thieves, and beggars, not to mention witches, and protects those on the outskirts of society. She represents the objective eye searing through the facade of mainstream society. She is the original socialist. Hmm. That's cool. So invoke Hecate during periods of great transition in your life. So pregnancy, new parenthood, new career, death in the family, etc. Or to dive deep into your witchcraft practice. I know that we were saying that she's a god goddess of the crossroads. But I think it should also be mentioned that she's heavily associated with the underworld. Oh, yeah. Well, I to me, I automatically associate the crossroads with the underworld, but but maybe that didn't come across. (laughs) Well, and I mean, she's literally who guides Persephone to and from. And also told Demeter that what happened to Persephone. So, yeah. Yeah. I like her. She's a really interesting deity. I did work with her once upon a time, but only when I was pregnant with my son. Oh, yeah. And she kind of came to me and I was kind of like, well, uh, you know, everything that people typically say about her is all, you know, death and kind of the darker side we'll say right and then i had a kind of a different experience with her than that Mm. yeah and also you know times of transition it's not yeah exactly it's not it's not uncommon for her to take new witches under her wing because that's a big time of transition because you've decided on a new spiritual path for yourself Yes, but I wasn't new when this happened to me. Just put it out there. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Yours was definitely because you were pregnant. Yeah, yeah. I think, but I think people put a lot of, uh, what's the word, like stipulations on certain deities. And then you, and while those things are definitely true, you could have a completely different experience with that deity than someone else, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And some, you know, and even if we go as far as to say the way that I vibe with 
a deity or deities may not be the same vibe that you get from them. Agreed. Yeah. Love it. This is good stuff. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Isis or Isis. However you want to say it. There's different ways to say it, but her actual ancient Egyptian name was Osset. Mm. She is an ancient Egyptian goddess of magic, in particular ritual magic. She is as ancient as time itself and henceforth is the embodiment of the feminine divine. In the Egyptian mm. mythology, she gains her magical knowledge by tricking Ra into telling her his many names. Remember here that names equal power, especially when it comes to the gods. She gave birth to the god Horus by taking in the seed of her dead husband, Osiris. She knows how to shapeshift and is depicted often with the wings of a large bird. You can invoke this goddess when learning Egyptian magic to birth something anew from destruction and to learn the secrets of motherhood and life in general. Mm. And I have not worked with her specifically. She came to me once in a dream, but following that, there was never like any real signs or headway. So it never really became of anything, but I do feel like she's a really cool deity. Yeah. And I think, I think that she, well, not just her, but I think the Egyptian pantheon and the Greek pantheon in particular are very much in the front of historical and cultural memory yeah. because a lot of historical figures are associated with these gods and goddesses. So yeah. All right. Lilith. So Lilith is an ancient Mesopotamian goddess steeped in mystery. Her name comes from the ancient Syrian and Babylonian words Lily and Lilitu, which translate to spirit or spirits. She was known throughout the ancient Middle East, and most Hebrew sources claim Lilith as a demon and or a night hag. In the Hebrew language, her name has become synonymous with a night monster or a screech owl. By medieval times, around the same time, all the European pagan deities were being demonized. Lilith's story started to take a more sinister turn in Jewish mythology. She became the first defiant wife of Adam. She was his equal, but she tried to enforce her will and Adam, Adam nor the biblical God liked this. So she was exiled from the garden of Eden. She goes on to mother a whole slew of demons via a fallen angel or sometimes an archangel. And this led to her also being called the mother of vampires and a leader of the succubi. Today, modern practitioners are working with her and bringing her name back into a positive light. So, and there's, you know, and there's all kinds of theories I guess you would say around Lilith's mythology Oh yeah. as to, you know, being more because she was a woman who wasn't going to be uh, subjugated by a man. Right. And right. so this has gained her exile and demonized. So, yeah. It's a very interesting story. Okay. Are we moving on? Should I go to the next one? Morgan Le Fay. This is another goddess who is shrouded in legend and mystery and has been a prominent character in the Arthurian legends for many centuries. She was a sister and aide to King Arthur himself 
And in some of the legends, she saves King Arthur by whisking him off to the Isle of Avalon after a fatal battle. In her goddess form, Morgan Le Fay is an elemental master and an herbalist. She is part fairy, hence her name, Le Fay. And she's also a priestess of Avalon and a consort or, you know, just basically, you know, the sidekick to the Lady of the Lake. <laughs> Moreover, she possesses the ability to cross into other worlds and realms. I always say if you want to invoke Morgan Le Fay, she will help you when working with fairies, parting the veil, learning Arthurian magic, obviously, and casting magic with herbs. She's mm. a really interesting character. And there's some people that, that have kind of lined her up with the Morgan from Irish Celtic belief, but I don't know that they're the same. Just my opinion. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think so either, but some people do, you know. All right, moving on. So Odin or Othin if you're pronouncing it like you're supposed to. Okay, this one will generate some discussion, I think, between the two of us. No? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he is one that we're going to be doing a whole episode on in the near future. So if you don't already know who Odin is, or Othin is, he's also called the Allfather. But this is among a hundred other names, like legit if you google odin and it yeah he literally has a hundred other names yeah for sure it's pretty eye-opening <laughs> when you start reading while you're like okay <laughs> he is the king of the Aesir or the norse gods of asgard he's known as a warrior god but also as a father he is a complex deity and wears many masks, as we've discussed in past episodes. One of those masks that he wears is that of a seethman or a practitioner of the Norse magical tradition called seethe, hence seethman. And we've discussed this as well in past episodes. But Odin isn't born with this ability. He actually learns it from the goddess of the witches Freya, which we said when we were talking about Freya and in addition, he has the ability to shape shift and to read the runes. So both practices very much immersed in witchcraft in old times, as well as today. So he's somewhat of an Oracle as well. What, 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 what? Yeah. And we're going to be like, this is a high level overview of Odin, but we're going to be going into depth on him very soon. Yes. And talking about how he got those runes and what he had to do for them. And yes. yeah, he's, and I'll tell you my experience with Odin. Um, so I have seen men, a lot of men actually be drawn to him mm -hmm. and they have this, I want to say warrior-esque type relationship oh, with him. God. Yes. Yes. Like very masculine energy, just mm -hmm. chaotic. But for me, and I see, <laughs> Odin is also, he also loves the ladies. Okay. Well, that's he loves the lady. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that we've had a similar experience with him in that 
for us, or at least for me, I can only speak from my experience, but whenever he comes to me or comes to my aid or helps me, he's very much like this protective grandpa like energy for me or father figure. I don't get the, I don't even know what the word is aside from warrior. I, I don't get the harshness that I see a lot of men working with him attract. Yeah. I think like, like you've said, and like we've said, he wears many masks. So it depends on the individual and yeah, basically the individual, but for me, I had a similar experience with him and I still do mm. on my altar. I feel like he is still around though. I'm not actively working with him, but when I had, a, this is going to sound ridiculous, but when I had COVID a couple years ago, back when it was like alpha strain, like when everyone <laughs> big deal. Okay. When it was OG, when it was the OG. <laughs> yes. I got it then people. And I was sick for like three weeks and I thought I was dying, but anyway, um, but no, seriously, it was really, a, it is a frightening thing back then, especially when it was brand new and nobody knew anything about it and whatever. So mm. he came to me then and I would almost see his face every night as I was going to bed and I would just talk to him every night. And, and he, he was, uh, yeah, it was a very comforting presence mm. and very healing and protective. Yeah. And you know, that's interesting that, that you say that about when you caught COVID because he seems to especially be around a lot if you're in a medical crisis. Yeah. We've talked about that. That's a good point. Hmm. That's interesting. I know he has, um, like there is some times where he's healed people like in, in certain myths, but, but that is a really good point. Yeah. Hmm. And I also found that he was, that he is like whenever I'm desperate in need, Like, and I'm not talking like, I just want him to come around and hang out. Like when I'm like at my wits end and I'm like, all right, dude, you have got to show up. You, you got to give me something here because I'm like at the end of my rope, Mm -hmm. he comes like immediately. Yeah. And I think again, we're going to go more into this because we could talk all night about Odin, but I think Mm -hmm. one of the most like quickest gods to come around or like manifest very easily. Yes. Like there, if you're serious and you desperately need his help or you need him to come around or you're calling on him to manifest something or whatever, it's quick as lightning. So you better be, you better really want what you're saying. Yes. Okay. We're going to go into more on Odin later. I I could totally talk about this all day. Oh yeah, me too. Definitely. Okay. And last but not least, I can't, I'm not even going to attempt that. (laughs) Tezcatlipoca. If I butcher that, I apologize. This is an ancient Aztec deity. He's also known as the Lord of the night. His name means smoking mirror and his domain is sorcery and shamanism. Yeah, he's most well-known for his black obsidian mirror, of which he uses to see everything that goes on, making him an all-knowing and also an omniscient god. He is sometimes depicted as a dark god. There's that word, but anyway, since he ultimately has to do with the downfall of Quetzalcoatl. Uh, That's Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl. I know how to say that one. Quetzalcoatl. Okay. 
that. After the conversion of the indigenous peoples, he became equated with Satan. What's new? While <laughs> Quetzalcoatl, did I say that right? Yep. Was equated with Christ. This witch deity also has shape-shifting abilities, like many other witch deities, and he takes the form of a jaguar, a skunk, a monkey, owl, or coyote, which I feel like the skunk transformation could be very helpful in certain circumstances. Mm. You could clear a whole room. You wouldn't have to be around anybody. (laughs) (laughs) No? Yeah? Do you agree? (laughs) If you could transform into a skunk... Oh, yeah. Clear a whole room. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I was looking at his animals actually, and I was thinking to myself, these are, well, m- most, well, three out of five of them are animals that I wouldn't want anywhere near me. Right. Yeah. Well, f- probably, f- well, yeah, three out of five. The other two, one, two. Ah. Two of them for me. The monkey and the owl, cool, but stay over there. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I wouldn't want a monkey all up in my personal space. No, but I mean, I've seen the little capuchin monkeys in Costa Rica, and they're pretty damn cute. Yeah, but they also spread diseases, so no. Yeah, but they were, like, way up in a tree. They didn't bother us. Oh, I had... Okay, well, this is totally off topic, but (laughs) once upon a time, like a lifetime ago, I was a veterinary nurse and somebody actually brought one of those in to the practice and the vet I was working for like lost it. He was like, you need to get out right now because that monkey is carrying so many diseases. It's a wild animal. It's not supposed to be a pet. And excuse me to anybody of our listeners who actually has a monkey as a pet, but just no. Just no. <laughs> Like, they're meant to be swinging from the trees in Costa Rica and such. All right. But the coyotes don't bother me. We have them where I live. They're a little creepy. Like, if you're running early in the morning and it's still dark outside and you run around a corner and you hear, like, the noise that they make, it's a little creepy. You definitely run in the opposite direction. But they won't really attack you unless you're, like, small. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. And I just want to say that we have reached the end of the deities that we are introducing to you today, but there are many other deities that we just don't have time to talk about that in this episode that have domain over witchcraft or magic, um, Aradia, Bafana, Caridwen, Kleana, Hermes, Loki, Nyx, Regana, Medea. <laughs> I mean, the list is pretty long. So should we wrap it up? Yes. All right, let's wrap it up. So tune in next week for another episode of Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to get notified of future episodes. Go over to Alora's my, that's me, website at alorarain.com to get yourself a soul origin or numerology profile or tarot reading. And remember, Whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.